getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. As the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we got a weird story that came across the newswire Thursday morning that John Elway has had treatment for some condition known as, what was it, Viking Viking something or other. What was it, Viking thumb? Viking yeah. Thumb? Something like that. Some sort of Game of Thrones nickname or something like along those lines. Uh, fortunately, we can laugh about it. And he went on an interview tangent this morning in New York City. It's not in a, a major medical crisis. It's something that he's been dealing with for a very long time. And he even back dating back to his playing career. So it, it's just something he's going to have to live with. But he's opening up about to raise more awareness to. And, and it was good on his part. He handled his media tour well. He talked a little bit about the Broncos, a little about Drew Locke and Joe Flacco, but mostly kept it to himself. It's not a huge deal but when that tweet came out last night chad it was like john elway to discuss medical issue tomorrow it was like a little yeah a little alarming and then of course in in typical cliss fashion he drops a drew lock non sequitur in there but uh, fortunately it's something more serious for uh, john elway yeah it's viking's disease it's called i'm not even going to try do do putrins i don't know that's the real name of the disease but they call it viking's disease and just to quote this article here it says Uh, Denver Broncos president of football operations, John Elway, revealed that he underwent treatment for this disease in both hands. Quote from Elway, I had it on both hands. This is uh, what he told Jarrett Bell of USA Today. Both of my fingers are straight again. It's not something that can be cured, but they can definitely treat it. It has a chance to come back. My hands have come back great. We're trying to get the word out there because a lot of people have it that don't realize they have it. Close quote. So, it it's some kind of condition that was like you know jacking up his fingers and sometimes you see like former NFL quarterbacks and like who was it Baldinger you know he's got like the one pinky that just like right. juts out at a ninety degree angle <laughs> and I doubt that's necessarily what he has because this is a pretty rare condition but in Elway's case if you would have seen his hands you just think to yourself oh you know that's an old NFL quarterback who played sixteen years in the league that's just kind of you know spinning a lot of footballs in his time that's. You know, that's a natural result, but apparently it's an actual condition. 
Yeah, and not to trivialize it, but uh, fortunately it's nothing more serious and considering he played for so long and had such longevity in the NFL and considering all the head injuries and all the major uh, injury fallout from playing in the NFL, it's nothing more serious than a little hand problem for John Elway. So it, it's nice that he's, he's raising awareness to it, but um, it was just definitely billed or at least uh, teased as something more serious. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Yep. But today is all about the Mile High Mailbag. You're getting this episode on Saturday as opposed to Friday because we're still in the middle of a weird preseason schedule in terms of the way it affects our podcast usual programming on a week-in, week-out basis. So yesterday you guys had the Scouts Eye Preview. We wanted to give you a couple of full days to get that under your belt. Today, of course, it's Mile High Mailbag time. We're going to peek inside that mailbag here in just a minute. First, a couple of quick matters of business, especially to all of our new listeners, which is just the show's growing exponentially on all platforms, but especially Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and YouTube. So this is for you new listeners. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And also make sure you're following Zach and I. You can find Zach on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen, and then New uh, listeners on Apple Podcasts, if you like what you hear, give us a creative review and a five-star rating. You guys have no idea how much that can help us. And then in terms of our YouTube audience, you guys are awesome. You're growing by the day, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season long, but there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient Best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire. Literally, it does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play, or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right. It is that time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests. And each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And Zach, should we, I guess we'll start, uh, we'll start on Twitter and we'll go to uh, old friend, longtime listener of the show, Paul at Paul 826. He says, how do you feel about most starters not playing, especially on offense this coming game against the Rams? I like the real preseason test being in game three to gauge the team. The dressed rehearsals, what he's, he's hinting out there. Early regular season games are sloppy due to the preseason lack of starters playing. I understand injury concerns in the preseason, though, from Paul. Zach, your answer. Well, it was a weird preseason for Denver because they have five games, not four, and uh, they saw a lot, and as much as I think, considering all the injuries and all the, the, the shuffle around the roster that's going on, uh, what they're going to see from their starting units. And they've seen enough, and they don't want to risk their players for further injury. And I believe, whether he wants to admit it or not, a rookie coach in, in Vic Fangio took a page out of Sean McVay's book and not playing his starters in, in this game. And I agree with it. Why risk them unnecessarily to gain, what, an extra touchdown on on film? It's not worth it. The Broncos, like we talked about last pod, Chad, do not have the injury bug on their side this year. For whatever reason, that's what it's looking like. So Fangio was smart. I agree with the decision not to risk his players more. They're hopefully be more ready to go on week one against Oakland, more on the same page, uh, in finer tune, better chemistry. We can hope for that, but I agree with not risking them to injury because it's happened and it will keep happening. Yeah, I mean, the fan in me who loves football and loves the Broncos, you know, you want to see the stars, and I get that. But, you know, so your heart's saying one thing, but your head should be telling you, you know what, with the bad luck the Broncos have had, especially the last couple of weeks, let's not tempt fate. Let's not tempt the football gods. Let's put them on ice. Let's get them to week one at the black hole because ultimately that's where the rubber's going to meet the road, and you need this team as in as close to full – you know, strength, full power as possible to go in there and play a Raiders squad who is on the come. You know, they're they're rising. They're they appear to be on the ascent, and you know they're going to be riding a little bit of a, an emotional high with all of the PR and press, and and they're getting basically from hard knocks, and so that's going to be a test. You know, it's not the same old Raiders that have been a laughing stock in the AFC West since the 2003 Super Bowl. This is a, a team that's looking to prove something this year, and it can't be a joke, Zach. I mean, the Broncos split with the Raiders last year. Let's not forget that. No, it's a good point, Chad. I'm glad you brought it up. And, and we talked about it on, on the last pod, or not the last pod, but we talked about it on a, on a previous pod. We talked about it when the schedule came out. I personally think the Raiders are not going to be as bad as everyone thinks they are this year. Do I think they're going to be some Super Bowl contender? No, a playoff contender. I don't think so, but definitely better than what we saw last year and what many people are thinking this year. Uh, the Khalil Mack trade last year, all the trades they made, all the capital they accrued, I think will pay off for John Gruden a little more this season. And at least on offense, I, I, I see Derek Carr having some sort of a bounce back season. 
what what you want to say about Antonio Brown's feet and his antics about the helmet, he's a really, really, really good player. And on the field, if he's healthy connecting with Derek Carr, he's going to give the problems fits. So they're not going to be an easy challenge. And if the Broncos roll into that game thinking they're going to have an easy W, they're going to lose that game. So they can't have that mindset at all. Yeah, let's get let's get them to week one in as much or as close to full strength as possible. That should be the priority. But, Paul, we feel you. You want to see the guys, and, and I get that. But let's move on here to another question from Christy, Miss Christy78, longtime listener, great listener, former VIP subscriber uh, at milehighhuddle.com. Christy says, in this instance, you can say it wasn't Bowles' fault, but does he hold records in college and as an NFL rookie for holding calls? Offensive tackles get away with holding all around the league. Do you think Garrett Bowles gets called out more because of his past? Now, that's an interesting question, Zach, because I think there's something to it, and it's not something necessarily that's getting all that much, you know, focus from from media. So I'm glad Christy brought that up, and there was an interesting article that Eric Trickle published at milehighhuddle.com on Thursday, which is basically, you know, a film breakdown on Garrett Bowles' performance in that Niners game and especially kind of breaking down what happened there on that 45-yard connection between Flacco and Sanders that was called back to his hold. So I recommend everyone go back and check out that article. But to get to what Christy's saying here, absolutely it has to somewhat color the the official's perspective on Garrett Bowles. I mean, 14 holding penalties in two years, seven in each one, and that's just the ones that were accepted, Zach. You better believe, just like in you know, a, a beat cop that's that's going around in his sector on his beat, he begins to learn who the, the perpetrators are, the usual suspects, so to speak. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's always the case, but he's keeping a closer eye on those guys. And what that means is he's probably going to be more prone to catching things than, you know, the other guys who might be doing the exact same thing, but they don't have the same focus on them. Agreed. Very interesting angle, and it's not something that gets talked about a lot. And I do think there's something to it. He doesn't get the spotlight just from the refs either, Chad. He also gets it from opposing uh, coordinators, opposing defenders. They know to attack that side of the offensive line. To get after Joe Flacco's blind side, to get to Joe Flacco, you have to defeat Garrett Bowles. And I think most coordinators, including, uh, we're not going to see him, but including Wade Phillips this week, they would love that challenge. And that's what we saw with the 49ers. They were attacking Bowles. And whether he was responsible for that play or not, we talked about it on, on yesterday's pod. Uh, a couple days ago that he should have had a chip, Vic Fangio said. He did still, and he's still committing those penalties, and he was still holding his man. And if he shows even the slightest bit, Chad, that he's holding on for too long, grabbing, tugging, whatever, based on his history, based on his reputation to this point, he's going to get the flag more often than not. I mean, the old expression goes, there's holding on every play, it's just not called. Well, with Garrett Bowles, it will be called just because he's still known to be that guy shooting his team in the foot, shooting himself in the foot at the worst possible time. All right, let's take one from our YouTube community. This one comes from Stu Primakov. He says, with Kevin Hogan looking so bad, is there any word why Brett Rippon hasn't gotten more preseason reps over him? He played well in the first preseason game, meaning Rippon, leading the team on the winning drive. Even he hasn't been great during practice. Hogan has been bad in games, though, so what's going on there? Why not play the rookie? Now, Zach, before I serve this over to you, Fangio did say on Thursday that Rippon is going to play in this next game against the Rams. However, he did qualify it by saying it's not going to be an even split between him and and Hogan. Hogan's going to get the majority of the reps because at this stage, the Broncos, are the way they're probably justifying that 
is that, look, he's probably going to be our backup for at least the first quarter of the, of the regular season, so let's get him some reps. But I'm still here saying, Zach, that you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't give him equal reps yep. because there is a strong possibility that Brett Rippon today is a better option to be that backup and, and than Kevin Hogan, and at least Brett Rippon presents some long-term upside. I'm right there with you, Chad, and we, we've talked about this on multiple podcasts. Uh, I don't understand why Rippon didn't get any playing time last week. I don't understand why the Broncos are kind of hiding him and maybe hoping he'll uh, be staffed on the practice squad for this season. Maybe they think he's more of a developmental guy than we thought. Maybe Scangarello thinks he's more of a of a long-term project than he's more of an NFL-ready quarterback. Uh, to this point, he offers to me more playmaking ability. We saw it on the field. He had that touchdown pass. Then Kevin Hogan, who's done really nothing in his opportunities. He inspires no confidence. He's a below-average passer in every way. At least Rippon has some sort of upside to grow into a long-term backup, whereas Kevin Hogan is already a journeyman. So I don't agree with taking reps away from him. I don't agree with the way they were taking reps away from Drew Locke. And, and the injury now just complicates things more. I, for one, though, am excited to see what Rippon can do with an extended period but God help me personally if I have to see three, three and a half quarters of Kevin Hogan against the Rams. There's no reason to see it. Yeah. Here's, here's what your head coach said regarding this very topic. He said, quote, Kevin's always been, he's a smart guy. He can run the offense, and he's always been one of those guys that seems to make a play when there isn't one, uh, like the scramble he had the other night for the touchdown. He's got some playmaking and improvis- improvisation excuse me, in his game, close quote. I don't know what what Fangio's seeing there. Like, the first preseason game in the Hall of Fame game, he at least looked competent. He looked like he had uh, confidence in his ability to operate the scheme, drove the Broncos up and down the field, had a scoring touchdown, that run from uh, Kalfani Muhammad. But these pre- the next two, I mean, he's been lackluster. And even that scramble, yeah, good on him for making a play. But that wasn't necessarily a guy, you know, creating something explosive out of nothing, even though he did create it out of nothing. That was more a guy trying to, you know, basically salvage an oh crap type of play and running for his ever-loving life. I mean, it's the same thing as Paxton Lynch dominating, I guess you could say, against the Broncos' backups or four-string players. We're going to laud him for that. and and Or not laud him for that, but we're going to diminish that because it was against fourth stringers, and then we're going to laud Kevin Hogan for doing it in, in, in a fourth quarter of the third preseason game they had. Yeah, nice, like you said, Chad, nice run and all, but it doesn't really move the meter on what he can do because he's not making that run against first stringers. He's not making that run in the regular season, and uh, the Broncos, unfortunately, are to the point where they can't really risk Kevin Hogan now either. It sounds like Drew Locke's injury is a multi-week issue, and if they lose Kevin Hogan now, that they're down to Brett Rippon. They have to sign another quarterback last minute. So fortunately, if they're smart, they don't want to risk him. That means we see more of Brett Rippon because that's what we need. They need to know what they have in him because they already know what they have in Kevin Hogan. You can't say the same about Rippon. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next question here. comes from Juice. Actually, before we tackle what Juice has to say, let's just get the break out of the way. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, this next question here comes from Juice on YouTube. He says, I just want an MHH Fantasy League, a few staffers and readers, listeners, etc. Well, here's what we can tell you, Juice. We, we're taking your request to heart. We're, we're seriously considering it. Zach is considering taking the commissioner aspect of organizing that on uh, his plate. However, we would need to see what kind of response is really out there, what kind of interest is really out there from the fans. So if you're a listener and you would like to participate in a fantasy league with Zach, myself, a couple of the other MHH staffers, maybe Nick, maybe Carl, and, um, you know, play some fantasy football this year, hit Zach up on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. And, Zach, you know, we'll see what kind of response everyone gets. But both of us, I mean, we like playing fantasy football. If the response is there, maybe we can put something together. Yeah, I have no problem at all organizing a league. I, I can't promise it's going to be some super intense thing for lots of money or I can't be my, you know Michael Fabiano of this fantasy football league. But I can organize something we can put together and uh, maybe do something at NFL.com, ESPN.com, Yahoo.com, whatever. Uh, I think it'll be fun. And if there is an interest out there, I'd like to get something going for this season. So, yeah, hit me up on Twitter at KelbermanNFL. I'll, I'll cipher through the responses and uh, we'll go from there. Chad and I – both have a lot on our individual plates and collective plates, and we're trying to squeeze this in. And if there's enough groundswell for it, I would say uh, I have no problem doing it. Yeah. Yep. Appreciate you considering that, Zach. And maybe we can put together as as like the uh, you know the war chest some some mile high huddle swag because not only we're, are we coming out with huddle up podcast swag here in the very near future, but right now in the MHH cockpit in which I sit, the command center. Behind me on the wall are some Mile High Huddle hats that I had made up a long time ago that I still have that I could uh, we could put in the pot for the winner of the league. So we'll we'll figure that out. But if you're interested, hit Zach up on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Now to Juice's actual question, he says to address current football. I was happy to hear Fangio say that Bulls played well and that the hold really wasn't his fault. We know Coach Munchak is excellent at finding and developing talent, but can he really get Bulls to break his bad habits? It's still early in his career. A guy like Reisner sure isn't too bad to have next to him, both in-game and in practice. So I think your premise is, is, uh, is solid. You know, it, it was good to see Fangio stand up for him there. But my question is, Zach, was Fangio's, you know, because if you go back and look at the film, and again, go check out the article we published from Eric Trickle on Thursday at milehighhuddle.com. You can watch the angles of that play, multiple t- different angles, and you can see that Fumagalli did, in fact, chip 
that defensive end. It wasn't like he didn't sit and hold the block for, you know, a full second or anything like that. Right. But did he did put contact on that guy. So what I'm wondering is, was that Elway having a behind-closed-doors meeting with Fangio and saying, hey, let's, let's build up Bolsey a little bit because you're going to get those questions about uh, Monday night's game. Or is that Fangio really just stepping up and saying, look, wasn't all on him. Let's let's pump the brakes on coming after a player who he knows full well and we all know full well emotionally is a very temperamental guy. Well, I appreciate Eric with the cosign because, yeah, it, it's true. When we talked about it, Chad, it, it's it seemed like they're covering for bowls in some way. I don't know if it goes as high up to Elway. Fangio should have known. It should have been explained to him coming in that Bowles was one of the bigger players on the hot seat this season. He needs to take some sort of step up. He's another John Elway first-round pick who's hasn't really panned out like they thought he would, and he, he's uh, it's put up or shut up time for him. So Fangio knew the deal. He knew he was a mentally uh, you know average player to this point. He needs to be groomed and 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 I would say coddled more. And if that if that's the case, and it would explain why they would outright say something like that when you could see on film. That Fumagalli got a little piece of the defender. It wasn't like he whiffed completely. Bowles should have blocked and his, had his footwork better, and he extended too far, and he had to compensate for that. That's why he was flat. It's going to happen nine times out of ten for him. Uh, we have to hope that Munchak can save him, but we haven't seen it to this point, Chad. We heard about it in a practice that uh, he was responsible for self-sacking Joe Flacco. He did that in this game, and we've seen already his bad habits still rearing its ugly head again. And with Reisner, that's a guy who's – even the, the Broncos brass is complimented for how well he's progressed in the system already. And that's a rookie player. So it just speaks to their mental makeup. It speaks to their differences and their lack and, and contrasting abilities in this scheme. And Reisner's taken to it better than Bowles. We just have to hope at this point, Bowles is salvageable to be an above average to capable player. I don't think he'll ever be an all-star. We have to hope he could just be consistent. And we haven't seen that even to this point. You know, in that article of Eric's, he made a lot of, there was some, a lot of interesting insights, but one of them that really hit home for me is the fact that Bowles still has, and it wasn't just that 45-yard penalty, he's still got a lot of bad habits that you would think or you would hope that with, you know, a full offseason of working with Mike Munchak, you would see more progress in that department. And specifically on that play, you know, he, he got beat early in the rep because, and let's just lay it out there, fine, whatever. Troy Fumagalli didn't chip the way Bowles probably expected him to in his past set, and so it put him behind in the rep. Let me quote something from Eric here. He says, this play goes back to an earlier point he had made in the article about an offensive tackle being able to recover from an early loss on a rep, except in this case, it wasn't necessarily a loss, but the failure of a teammate. There are a lot of instances where a tight end or running back will forget to chip, and it falls on the tackle to cover or recover for that. Here, Bowles fails at doing so. So it's just, you know, the technique is just not there. And even though he might have, you know, he was expecting possibly to have help there, he still is the left tackle. He still should have his technique down to a point where he can recover from being behind on the rep a little bit. And we're just not seeing that yet, Zach. I mean, it, it, to, to me, it's just, it's like you can lead a horse to water figuratively and literally in this case, and you just can't make him drink. I, and it's true with Bulls. You can surround him with 10 Hall of Fame coaches, but if he doesn't have it, Chad, he just doesn't have it. It's too early to say that to be definitive, but the breadcrumbs and the glimpses that we've seen this preseason aren't encouraging. We can only hope the light bulb finally goes on 
in week one and going forward. Otherwise, it's uh, not going to be a good situation in Denver. Last thing I want to read quickly, because I think it's additional insight for our listeners from Eric's article to quote him. He says here, quote, Bowles is playing catch technique. He lets the defender come and then is, it tries to guide him beyond the quarterback. That isn't what Bowles does, though. Again, we see him drop his hands instead of keeping them at a 90-degree angle at the elbow with his hands at the ready. This is a bad habit of Bowles and is a big reason for the many mistakes he's had in his career. Keeping the hands at the ready will help him strike quicker and get hands-on to recovery sooner. So go check out that article. It'll give you some insight on Bowles if you're interested in that particular topic. Now, Zach, let's move on to Eclipse Stormborn on YouTube. He says, happy Thursday, fellas. I hope I'm not too late to get my question in. Question one, is there any realistic trade capital, player or draft pick combos, and or salary cap maneuvering that can be made for the Broncos to acquire Jadevian Clowney from the Texans. Question two, which animal would you guys take from the BTB pod animal challenge, the Kodiak bear versus the silverback gorilla? Which one wins? LOL. Peace from Philly. Thanks, Eclipse. Uh, let's tackle the first one there. Is there any realistic trade capital the Broncos could give up to get Jadevian Clowney knowing, you know, salary cap wise, I don't see him being able to afford it at all this right. year. But at the same time, I don't see any reason why when you've got Bradley Chubb on one edge and Von Miller on the other, you know, you got other fish to fry. If you're going to go spend that money on an elite player, go put it on a position in which you're weak, not necessarily strong. And you just drafted a defensive lineman in the third round, and you used one a pick on a second rounder a few years ago, and you have Derek Wolf who you invested money in. They don't necessarily need Clowney. It'd be really nice for them to have him. He would be really good in this defense, but – he's not worth what they would have to give up for him, and they don't have the cap space right now to take him on. They can't even add a a middling player. They're going to add Clowney. It's not realistic at all. It's not going to happen. I still think he'll stay in Houston this year. They'll work out something for him. I don't see him getting traded, but definitely not in Denver. So I don't know if you listened to that Building the Broncos podcast in which they debated it, but even if you didn't, in your mind, who wins one-on-one for Eclipse here? A Kodiak bear, a grizzly bear, with those talents, you know, not talents, but the claws, the teeth and all that, and the size, or a silverback gorilla? Uh, the gorilla has the strength, though, and that's what I think can give it the, the 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 factor over it that would make it successful. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Uh, the, the bear, to me, it has the teeth, it has the size, it has like the claws, like you said, but the gorilla just, uh, the power and the and the knowledge and the smarts. I'm going to give the edge to the gorilla here. You know, I'm, I honestly, and this isn't just, uh, you know, taking the oppositional view, I would take the grizzly bear because the bear could use those claws. Not, I mean, they both have teeth. They both have some fang action going on there. But I would take the grizzly bear in terms of the size and the ability to basically disembowel that gorilla with his claws. Those things, they can, they can do some damage. But anyway, let's go on here to the next one here. Sin G, he says, what up, guys? Before I ask my question, I just want to say, Chad and Zach, you've done an excellent job with this Huddle Up podcast. I look forward to the show and your articles every day. And as a part of Broncos country, I want to say we appreciate you. Thanks, my brother. My question is about the regular season. The first four games are at Oakland, home versus Chicago, at Green Bay, home versus the Jacks. How do you think that plays out? Even in the Vance Joseph era, we've had fast starts as far as wins. I feel 4-0 is a good possibility. Our defense is top-notch. Aaron Rodgers still has nightmares from 2015. He hasn't been right ever since then. Go Broncos. Sinji, we appreciate the love, brother. Uh, we really do. You know, it's, it's nice of you to say that. But getting to your questions here, 
Zach, those first four games at Oakland, home at Chicago, at Green Bay, and then home at the Jags, how do you see that unfolding for the Broncos? Well, I do appreciate the love, Sinji, but I do not see 4-0 at all. And given how the offense has looked and all the penalties and the special teams, the Broncos still have some work to do. And this is a team that can get hot, I think, uh, like the 2008 Giants, maybe. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but just get hot later in the season and then they can, they can start to hit their stride then. It might be a slower start, though, the first four weeks. And those are not easy games. I feel like we'll really know uh, what the Broncos are going to be like in the Oakland game. That's a, a pretty underratedly tough matchup for the Broncos to go in there on a Monday night game in a hostile environment against a team that should have some firepower and motivation to win and now the spotlight. You, you have those the, the rivalry game in Chicago. You have Aaron Rodgers. This is not 2015 anymore. I mean, he's still an elite quarterback on any given day. That doesn't matter what he did in his past. It matters now, and he can still hurt the Broncos. I don't know record-wise. Uh, I'm not really you know keen on doing that right now. I would say 2-2 two and two is fair in those four games, Chad, not being too negative. I do. I think that's fair. You know, if you can get through that first quarter of, of the season at 500 with a... Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. New head coach, a new coaching staff, a new quarterback. You're still putting everything together. I think that wouldn't be the worst thing, you know. I think that puts you in a solid position and something to build on in the ensuing three quarters of the season. But, you know, best case scenario is not 4-0. I don't think the Broncos are going to win all four of their first games. However, one thing we got to keep in mind in terms of our perspective on this team is, you know, the the backup squads have looked uh, bad at times, right, this season, and the special teams especially. And the first-teamers, though, they've looked pretty dang sharp. Like, this defense is going to smother some fools. Like, the quarterbacks are going to have a hard time eating against the Denver Broncos. What we still don't know yet, though, is what this offense is going to look like. And so – I don't know. I'm not going to go out on a limb with a prediction, but I could see him going two and one, three or two and two, three and one in the best case scenario. Yeah, I, and I think that's really good to start out. Those first four weeks are going to work out a lot of their kinks, and like I said, they can get hot over the course of the next four, the next four, the next four, and it can all come together. 
if they can escape two and two, that's in a pretty good position considering they have an away game at Oakland already off their schedule. They get that away game at Green Bay early in the season, not later with all this snow and the weather. So they can escape two and two. That's really good. Four and zero is a pipe dream, but two and two is still a win for the first quarter of the season. All right. Next question here comes from JL Avenger twenty three. He says, "Greetings from Costa Rica, guys. Straight question. <clears throat> Excuse me. How much of an option to hire?" back Brock Osweiler is there and cut Hogan. (laughs) Hogan has shown he is not for a backup QB spot. Brock is a free agent. He knows Denver has new and better coaches and compared to Hogan, Brock has way more experience. Flacco is a starter. Brock is the backup to Locke Rippon. Meanwhile, Locke recovers and that way the Broncos can have a veteran with two rookies there. I like Rippon a lot. Don't know why he's not getting the reps and how much of an impact on the salary cap would that be to, to grab Osweiler? A mile-high salute from San Jose, Costa Rica. Thanks for all the work you do for Broncos country. Thank you, sir. Um, what do you think? What's, what's your answer on the idea of Osweiler sitting out there? Will Elway go back to the well for a third time? I mean, why don't we just pull Mark Sanchez out of retirement? Why don't we just pry Jay Cutler away from Kristen Cavallari? They don't need Brock Osweiler. They have their backup on the roster. Let the guy evolve in that role. It's Drew Locke. Once he's healthy, they don't need a quote-unquote veteran presence. You you have confidence in Joe Flacco, who was relatively healthy for most of his career, and you're, you could be good with him. Then you have the young hotshot gunslinger in Drew Locke. To bring back Brock Osweiler to create those those media typhoons and the headlines and, and the distractions for what? I, I just cut Kevin Hogan, promote Drew Locke, and then develop Brett Rippon. It's really not that difficult. All right, last question. Then we got to uh, – actually, nope, two more questions. This one comes from Mark Anthony Ignacio on YouTube. He says, here's a double if it's not too much to ask. I think it's safe to say that our offense has improved since last year. If Sanders stays healthy, then our offense could be something special. That being said, I believe looking towards the future at the wide receiver position could benefit the success of the team. Should the Broncos look to add a wide receiver early in next year's draft, or is our young core enough to carry the offense for years to come? Question two. Well, actually, let's answer that one first, then we'll dive into his other one. Should, you know, he's he's 32. He's going to be 33 this time next year and a free agent in the spring. I think it's high time, Zach, my opinion is like if you don't see the development and the turning of the corner from Sutton and Hamilton, uh, or at least one of them, you got to go out and find that twitchy, explosive playmaker who can loosen things up underneath and also challenge someone deep. I agree with that, but then I, I think to myself, you still have Philip Lindsay, and I don't want to overwork him as a pass catcher, but he's still the most explosive playmaker and, and in the entire NFL, not just the Broncos. Yes, it all really hinges on how Emmanuel Sanders does this season. If he has a good year, I think he'd want to parlay that into a big free agent contract. And I don't think the Broncos would pony up in that sense, considering they've they've invested uh, monetarily and emotionally in Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. They have Tim Patrick still coming up. They have a young receiving core, but you're right, Chad. They need that explosive element. So if he has a, a good season and he bolts, I think they should they should use a, a high round pick on a receiver. If he has a bad season and he bolts, I mean, there's so many variables here. We really won't know until the season plays out more. But yeah, it all it, it really hinges on Sanders, who I think's on another one year rental, just like Chris Harris Jr. is. All right. Question two from Mark Anthony. He says, most successful teams have a great leader on both sides of the ball. I think back to an aging Ray Lewis being the soul of the Ravens defense. Phillip Lindsay is a dog and brings intensity that I haven't seen from a Broncos offense in a long time. Could he be that type of leader? Or is there anyone on the team who fills that kind of role? Uh, that emotional 
you know, let's use the term dog, that emotional dog offensively, I think that's probably your guy. I'm also holding out a little bit of hope here, Zach, that Dalton Reisner can be that guy. Mm -hmm. For example, when Garrett Bowles on that 45-yard holding penalty came to the bench following that series because the Broncos punted whatever it was one or two plays later, instead of being in business on the three-yard line, they had to punt. And as he went to the sideline, there were fans hollering and, you know, basically booing at, at Garrett Bowles, who, as we've talked about many times, he's very temperamental emotionally. He's not emotionally tough. He doesn't have that fortitude. And Dalton Reisner knows that. And so when the fans themselves were hollering at Bowles, he stood up, turned around, faced the crowd and the people hollering at him and told them, frankly, shut the F up. Hmm. And so maybe that ends up being uh, Dalton Reisner. It's a good shout for him, Chad. And I think once he gets over that whole being a rookie and being so humbled by being in the Bronco, once he gets over that phase, which is great, I'm not I'm not poo-pooing it. Uh, once he gets over that and starts to feel himself more, then I think he'll establish himself because I agree with you. He has that fire, and we've heard it in practice that he's gone a little too hard, and Derek Wolf had to kind of remind him that slow your roll a little bit. So once he establishes himself as a more uh, a vested player, he'll start to speak up. But Philip Lindsay, he's already started to speak up in the huddle. That's been documented. Emmanuel Sanders still, too, it, for right now, for this season, is still your fire plug offensively. He's still your quote machine, and he still has that fire, as you saw with Cortland Sutton punching your own teammate. So, you know, eventually you're going to have a younger leader come out because I think Sanders is entering his last year. But between uh, Lindsay and you have Reisner and you have Sutton, who also showed some fire by fighting with Sanders, I think you're set in the locker room on that side of the ball. All right, last question, and then we got to get out of here for this week. comes from Harry Burgos on YouTube. He says, granted, we have a difficult strength of schedule for the 2019 season. However, I don't recall hearing any sports analysts putting the specifics of the schedule into context. In other words, several of the teams we play in 2019, uh, Vic Fangio has significant familiarity with, like the Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bills, etc., I understand that can be a double-edged sword since teams have experience in game planning also against Vic. It goes both ways. However, that has to give the first-year head coach a strong defensive mind, a leg up in the battle of wits. What are your thoughts? I think that's actually an underrated, great observation that, you know, despite this being his first rodeo as a head coach, one blessing that the football gods bestowed upon him is that he's going to have a quarter of his of his schedule is going to be against opponents he is intimately familiar with of whom he's been coaching against twice a year for the last or for the previous four years. So that could be more of a leg up than people have really uh, given thought to. I think that's a great observation, Harry. Chad, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. You want to talk familiarity? Okay, 2017 Dolphins-Broncos, 35-9. And that was Vance Joseph against the team that he was the defensive coordinator on for one season. So it really goes out the window, and, and the NFL is such a sport dominated by parity where things change almost on a week-to-week basis. It'll help, I guess, Fangio knowing certain personnel, certain players, but teams tweak their playbooks every single season, and it's still going to pose a challenge to the Broncos. And all the new moving parts of going into being a, a rookie head coach— you know, we assume Fangio would just step right in because he's been coaching the NFL so long. But even he's realized, and we've seen on the field, he's still prone to mistakes. He's still growing into the role. And you have two of those games, the Packers and the and the Bears, early in the season when he's still going to be coming together, when the team's still going to be coming together. So familiarity to me goes out the window. Maybe down the road when he 
feels himself more and he grows into it. But at least starting out, he's still going to be a, a rookie coach making rookie mistakes and rebounding. All right, this next question, then we're out of here, comes from Buck Wellington. He wants to know who, Zach, we think is, when it's all said and done, forget the hype, forget the draft pedigree, who is going to be the most impactful rookie for the Denver Broncos when this season is in the books? My answer is, you know, a few weeks ago I would have said probably Noah Fant. My answer today is Dalton Reiser. Yep. Right there with you, Chad. If he can be a day one starter and he can be and, and solidifying that spot for the next five, ten seasons, yeah, you, you have a, a future Pro Bowler on your hands, I think, in Reisner. He was a, a no-brainer pick. He's adapted uh, well ahead of schedule. I'm right there with you. He will have the biggest impact. He won't get the headlines, but he'll have the biggest on-field impact. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thanks for all the questions, you guys, and thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. If you want to uh, participate in this fantasy league we're considering, make sure you hit Zach up on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Let him know that you have an interest. You can find me on Twitter, at Chad and Jensen. And then stay tuned, because you're listening to this episode on Saturday. The game is tonight. The Broncos will throw down with the L.A. Rams. And we will record the Gut Reaction podcast immediately following the game. So you'll have a a fresh episode from us on Sunday. How that's going to affect the ensuing week, I haven't given much thought to in terms of what to expect. But uh, we'll let you know maybe on uh, Sunday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a great weekend, you guys. Enjoy the Broncos game and, you know, get familiar with these depth players and who are scrapping and fighting to keep their NFL careers alive. We'll see who ends up making the 53 But until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.